0: Welcome to footballgameplan.com where football makes sense. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. We're here at the 2017 Rhesus Senior Bowl Day One Podcast. I'm with Chris James to my right, Teron Davenport to my left, and we'll be breaking down on Facebook Live and also on your Twitter machine. We'll post this podcast up on SoundCloud at FootballGamePlan or soundcloud.com slash FBGP podcast. Day one, guys, a lot of action. This is what if this is the culmination of the college football season. We're going to see, a, this is the end of college football this week. So we're here, and we're going to start with the South squad first. Um, Teron, what were some of your initial takeaways from seeing these guys get out there and practice?
1: And they're being coached by the Cleveland Browns team, the South squad. Yeah, initial takes, obviously, I'm going to go with some of the, the receiver DB competitions, uh, Chad Williams out of Gremlin. He really came in and showed that he could catch the football with his hands. I just really liked this, the the interaction between uh, the receivers and the DBs. That was really the, the standout. I mean, we could get into particular players in a bit, but uh, also the, the one-on-ones, the, the pass rushing drills. I uh, got to see a guy in Forrest Lamp that was highly touted against a guy that not many people talked about coming into outside of us, uh, coming into this week, and that was uh, Tano Passanio. And he... Violated him. You know, he gave him a reason to <laughs> dial that 1 800 uh, number because there were numerous times where he, he did his thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's the
0: interesting part because you have a lot of guys coming in, and a lot of guys probably say, Well, we don't know about XYZ. Who is, who is this guy? Who is that guy? But when you put in the work, you, you you do a lot of film study, you tend to find these guys that are coming from these lower levels doing success, or having success. So, CJ, what were some of the takeaways you had? Oh, you weren't at the North Fair, you was so, making your way, but who were some of the guys you were looking forward to seeing uh, at the South Price that you're going to be
2: looking forward to seeing tomorrow? So, I actually do want to get more on Antonio Pipkin uh, out of Tiffin. Want to see that young man. Didn't get enough uh, consumption on what he had to offer. Uh, one of the things that I'm looking at Tomorrow is the tight end position. If you look yeah. at the south tight ends, this could literally be three first-round picks. The likelihood of the tight end position is that won't happen, but you can make a case for each of these three guys going in the first round, if not two or three of them. Uh, I want to see O.J. Howard. be honest, this guy is hes one of those athletes in this particular class that could be a transcendent talent for a team. He could be a game-changing force. Yeah. And then, of course, you do have – Evan Ingram, who we've noticed something about those old Miss guys, whether running backs, receivers, they run good routes. Yep. Uh, they, they get trained up, and they really do a job. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's what I'm looking to see tomorrow. And then, as usual, I, I've kind of fallen in love with the big cat drills, looking at the offensive lineman versus the defensive lineman and those one-on-ones. I get a lot out of that.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Pipkin out of Tiffin because one of the best throws in, in the South practice came from him. There was a, a time where uh, OJ uh, Howard, he nice swim move, ran the seam route, and it was a perfect drop shot. And it the catch, the way you know, it, it, he caught it just like this, right over the shoulder. Excellent ball skills. It's not an easy catch to make. He did that twice. But Pipkin had one of those uh, really nice throws. Howard is going to be an issue for a team at the next level because just the way that he creates those matchups. I mean, he's too big for defensive backs. He's too quick for, for linebackers. And then not to mention how he
2: wrecks people in the running game. So you can leave him on the field every play. And one of the positions that teams had, to str- had struggles with last year and getting production from it was the tight end position. Uh, you saw a lot of teams either not utilizing the tight end they had and then other teams not having a tight end to utilize. So... This could be a big year for NFL squads.
0: Yeah. And that leads into the one of the first questions we have on, on Twitter. Remember, hit us up on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. If you're on Facebook Live, post your questions in the comments. We'll answer them live right here on the stream. But Sari Bettinger, um, at Bet- Sari Bettinger, I hope I said his name pro- uh, properly, uh, he asked a question How high can OG Howard go? We were talking about that before we jumped on there. that, if you're a team within the top 20, you don't he's let him fall. He's so good. Uh, we saw him run run routes, use his athleticism. He was, to be honest, he was whipping these safeties and linebackers constantly in one-on-ones and
1: caught everything. So,
0: I mean, he can go real big, high. Man. He's a big I, I, dude. I
1: didn't realize that he was that big. You look at just his, his weight, you know, at the weigh-ins, as compared to the other tight end, I think it was like 245 or something like that. When you watch him play, the way he moves, you wouldn't think that. But... I mean, there's just so much that comes to the table. I don't see any way he drops out of the top 10.
2: I I will say this. uh, Just looking at how high he can go, a few years ago, Eric Abram went 10th overall, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And this guy has more talent than that young man. Very talented, deserved to be a first-round pick. But uh, I would not be mad surprised or shocked if he went in the top 10, and I don't think you should be either.
0: I mean, when you look at teams that that need tight ends, just a couple off the top of my head – the New York Giants, they could utilize the tight end. The Pittsburgh Steelers could use a
2: tight end. Also the Dolphins, uh, even though Deion Sims has done a good job, I think that that offense could move forward if they used Sims as a number two tight end and had O.J. Howard there uh, and another team. Don't be offended, people from Tampa. I am living in the Tampa area. Cameron Brait's done a great job, but that squad mm. with O.J. Howard, they would be very dangerous. I mean, you also could probably
0: toss in a team like the Browns. I know they've invested with a lot of wide tight ends types, those flex guys. And maybe a guy like Howard, who I believe can play in line, can do fine for that Browns offense. And you talked about the quarterback position and Antonio Pipkin out of Tiffin. He's a Division II kid. He's coming in here, and a lot of people are expecting him to fall flat on his face. But I think a team – I think what his game is, I think he has – What we like to say that upside? And a lot of times guys don't have upside when they come out of college. I tend to think those guys that come out early are guys that are coming from FCS, D2, D3, NAIA, may have a little bit more growth in their game because they have raw talent, but they don't have the the resources that an FBS program may have. Not even just an FBS program, a Power 5 FBS program have. So we may see a guy uh, like a... Let's say Cephal Lufau, who's on the North squad, come in, had four years of good coaching, good training, good facilities, good nutrition at Colorado. And you see Pipkin come in, and Pipkin may have no years of that same nutrition, weights, and things like that. But physically and and talent-wise, he's there but you can still get him better. So I think that's probably
2: the intrigue of this of him in this game and why he's probably one of those guys. One thing that you all mentioned earlier, and it's a product of the environment, is anticipation. He doesn't have that portion of his game down yet. Mm-hmm. He's still working on it. Uh, when you're on that D2 level, there's there's gonna be guys who are gonna make it to the NFL. Right. Some coaches' stats will stay away from that guy. It's hard to stay away from that guy if you're at Washington or at Alabama or anything mm-hmm. like that because you got a lot of those guys. So he's probably used to throwing to an open receiver instead of having to anticipate coming out of a break. So he'll, he'll kind of get a, a, a work into what he's going to see on the next level with seeing some of the talent here, and he's got the physical tools to do it. So that, that's something to keep in mind as well.
0: I tell you this man, uh, and this goes into another question we have from our friend Araf Hassan. He asked the question, why was Antonio Garcia bad? <laughs> I like Antonio Garcia, man. He plays Sunbelt football, so I'm gonna ride with my Sunbelt football guys, he plays at Troy. And so I think it's day one, they're in shells, so we'll we'll give them a pass, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I like what he brings to the table. Their offense was excellent at Troy. Had a real good quarterback. Um they have excellent receivers. Their offensive line was good. They, they, were, they gave Clemson a game. They only lost by, I want to say, maybe four points. And so they were 9-1 and one for a while. And, you know, it was steamrolling through the Sunbelt Conference. And Garcia is a really good player. I think just, again, day one jitters. Let's, let's see tomorrow you when they to go full pack. Let's, let's, yeah. let's see them settle in. But that ties us into the one-on-ones that we saw today. Um, you know, guys that, w- that we like to call country strong. You know, you have a Keonta Davis out there, walk one guy to a new position. You know, he he went from right tap of the running back, you know what I'm saying? And and so then we saw Tano Passio, and I've seen him grow uh, over the last three seasons, and it's just been impressive to see this guy go from raw to figuring it out to ready to go to now he's here at the senior bowl, and he took someone whom everybody thought, Oh, uh, everybody has said is the number one tackle, the best tackle, best tackle. He literally grabbed him and threw him to the ground. Yeah, he worked out
1: against it. Like, <laughs> he, he had he a good definitely. Day. And, and I was standing right there, and I, like I said earlier, you know, it wasn't just like a little talk. He threw him like you heard his body hit, and then each foot hit as well. Like he definitely threw him. Then even during team period, you know, coming off of that edge, and that's something we talked about. Get into that four point stance, which he loves to do. Coming off that edge in that wide alignment, I mean, he's a, a problem. He's able to use his length and, and work the leverage game. And he did that a couple times in team period, whereas he, he made the quarterback have to flush out of the pocket. And he, he ruined the rep for the offense. And that's what you want to do, you know, as an edge pass rush. You want to be that disruptor like that. Guys on the outside, that, that you know, your position, both you guys,
0: receivers, right? Chad Williams out of Grambling. I mean, you talk about the FCS, you talk about the swag, you talk about all kind of things. When you look at Grambling, it's a historic program. We can get to a whole other debate about Grambling in the fifties and sixties, or Bear Bryant's Alabama squads. Like, you know, something called Bear Bryant the best when they never had to go, you know, when they weren't integrated yet. And a lot of those NFL Hall of Famers in that time frame came from Grambling. So, yes, they you know. Did. I said all that to say this: the boy was awesome today. He was caught everything, thrown his everything weight. with his everything. hands.
1: Nothing hit his body. And if you remember, just in the first part of practice when they were just on air, I I said, "Man, that number eighty-four, man. It, mm-hmm. The ball stops on his hand, and there's no noise. It's every time he catches it, and that's what you want to see out of a guy, you know, a receiver <laughs> like that. Um, I, I think it's really interesting." that he's coming out of Gramlin and you're, you're looking at, you know, as we talked about earlier, coming from a school that doesn't have that guy like Keenan McArdle when he was at Maryland coaching Stephon mm-hmm. Digg. They don't have NFL level coaching, but the way he caught the football got in and out of his routes, and we're even talking about contested catches, you know, times where the DB's hand flashes and he's still catching it with his hands. Mm-hmm. That's not easy to do. It takes a lot of concentration, and that's what he
2: had. And keep in mind, uh, something that kind of fell by the wayside, some people don't remember, Grambling had a, an issue a few years ago with the facilities. Mm. So, again, right. when you're not offered the same Opportunities that you might get at a larger school. Imagine what could happen when this kid is provided with that. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be ridiculous.
1: And, and for for you guys who like the measurables, his hands 9.68, those are the largest hands out of every receiver here. So you could definitely see that he's using every 9.68 mm-hmm. to catch that football.
0: The way I think bet. people are also underestimating how – Quickly he could climb up on the defensive back and and find himself stacking a DB. No real uh, challenges from the defensive back, which allows him to control. And we talked about this in the interview with him. He's able to he understood the the reference slowing the ball down with your eyes. You know, that's just a term we use, but we're describing focus. And he's able to focus, zone in, and catch the ball. Question from Jason Brown on Twitter at Brown, Jason, can you fix the Vikings' offensive line with players featured at the Senior Bowl? Now, listen, we saw that Vikings' offensive line struggle, and uh, Sam Bradford was, you know, didn't have a lot of time, and he could have been part of the problem. But I will say, just based off the South team uh, alone, and before we move on to the North, but just based off the South team, um, yes, you can find some people uh, that you can build, build this, help build this offensive line. For the Minnesota Vikings, I know we just talked about him getting beaten the rep, but Forrest Lamp is a is a guy that obviously everybody's high on. Uh, you also look at Antonio Garcia. I'm still high on. You can't go wrong with any offensive lineman I believe from Utah. Asiata Isaac Asiata, I, I like him too.
2: So I, I, I like Ethan Postic, uh, at LSU. Center. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's as we discussed. He's a taller center, uh, much like Travis Frederick out of Wisconsin when he went to Dallas. Uh, he doesn't fit that particular scheme, I don't believe, up in Minnesota from what they're trying to do, but he's a guy who could be successful on the next level in any situation.
0: And you know who else is uh, – you uh, talk about Viking offensive linemen, uh, Nico Saragusa. He's a guard. He's 6'5", 330. You know, That's a tall guard, but when you look at Pumphrey yeah. and how he was able to run the football, they ran a power yes. offense. Their offense kind of mirrors Minnesota in how they attack. So Saragusa, I think, could fit perfectly for the Vikings if they want to go that way.
1: When I talked to Pumphrey earlier, he mm-hmm. did mention Saragusa, and he talked about how you know they did run that power scheme and how mm-hmm. Saragusa was able to you know open things up for him, allow him to hide behind him and then pop out and get right on the linebackers like he does. And, and that's something that allowed him to get a lot of his yards inside.
2: In particular for, and this is unfortunately on the North team, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I think Adam Bisnowadi, fits what they want to do in Minnesota and what they've asked their offensive lineman to do, I think he would be a good addition to that squad.
0: So there's some help for you out there, Jason, man. You know, it's day one, but there's some guys that out there that can, I think, help out that offensive line.
2: And
1: don't forget my little cousin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, right, Davenport. Davenport, Davenport.
1: Davenport. <laughs> he, he was an all-area center in high school in, <laughs> in New Jersey. But he, you've seen him live. You mm-hmm. know how he could break down and, and, and block on the move when need be. And his footwork is there, too. So he's someone, a, a big, massive kid, violent hands. So he's someone else to definitely look at, the left
0: tackle position. And we look at the south running backs can't go on to the north side without speaking of the tailback position. We talked about Donnell Pumphrey. I know you spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. You saw him out west. We, when we sent you out west to go and cover – San Jose State last year with yeah. with Irvin. you came, came back and was like new prospects, new prospects yeah. at Pumphrey. So what what did you see from him last year, and what you're expecting to see for him this week?
1: Well, I tell you, so many people on Twitter because I talk about him a lot. They say, oh, "What position?" I don't tell them a the position. His position is playmaker. Right. And he's a guy you could allow him to run inside. He just makes one cut and gets a that there's no extra chatter at the at the at the line you know he just gets through that hole that's something that that definitely factors in Um, he runs behind his pads for as small as he is but the main thing this game is all about matchups right right and I saw them put him in the slot and he did terrible things to the linebackers he had two touchdowns coming out of the slot against uh, San Jose State last year and a 2,000 yards rushing this year and uh, he's, he's definitely a player. And, you know, like I said, the game is about matchups. So you, he's a guy that you will scheme to create opportunities to get those favorable matchups. And that's what he brings to the table. You saw him in, in uh, one-on-one today, killing uh, Ben Boulware. And uh, obviously Boulware Working is him. not the most agile linebacker. But yeah. still, he gave him work. You know, and that's, that's what you want from a, a guy that's just going to be a matchup problem. And
0: uh, the, we can't. You talk about matchup problem. We talked about Sam Rogers, you know, and, and he's a fullback. And he's play, he played at Virginia Tech, um, and he does a great job. He's on the North squad. I can't wait to talk about him, but he's one that we're definitely talking about when you talk about matchup problems. But you also look at uh, BYU's Jamal Williams, yes. you know, at 6'2", 220. A problem. He is a legit problem for our teams. And we, we talked about this a lot. And, you know, you hate to say you were first, because no one's really first. But back when he was a freshman, back in 2012, I was watching BYU game tweet out this freshman from BYU, this running back, is gonna be the truth. And five years later, here we are the Senior Bowl, and everybody's talking about Jamal Williams because he's that type of player. And if you could it doesn't take much to pick up talent. And if you could pick it up right there, then you have something special. And I think what we're gonna see this week from him. Is his ability to catch the football. I think we know he can run, we want to see how well he can catch. And again, these guys will be asked to block. And to be honest, no one, no running back wants to block. Any running back tell you he wants to block, he's lying to you. He's just saying the right things. You know what I'm saying? So nobody wants to block. Uh, Ryan Switzer was another guy. I don't care how tall or short or small he is, he's shifty. I think he could play outside.
2: You know, so one of the things is, That people get locked into putting people in certain places, like people are going to say he's a Patriots receiver or put him in a slot. Just because he has the measurables of the average does not mean that a person is average. I think he actually did a better job working from outside than he did in the slot, simply because those corners aren't used to a guy with that level of shiftiness, Mm -hmm. and he ran the route tree just as well as any of these quote-unquote big receivers that you see. So he did the work, and by the way, if he can't help you with receiver, which I think is silly, uh, he's pretty much the best punt returner in the nation. So this guy is going to be a game-changer for any organization that gets him. Hey, question.
0: Do you think Forrest – this is from Mike Riddleman on Facebook. Do you think Forrest Lamp is a late first-round pick, in your opinion? Uh, you know what? He is real good. Um, he, he got his lunch handed to him today in the one rep. Uh, so we'll give him a pass on the rep. But I do think he can be a first-round pick because he played in what people are saying now is th- this new age of offense at Western Kentucky. He spread the field, got good footwork. Um, his hand placement is good. So I think he's in line to be a first-round pick.
1: I would say yes to that. I mean, just in addition to playing in that scheme, he, he's, you watch him. He's a pretty good athlete. And you look at a lot of these running schemes, you know, they, they like to get their, their offensive linemen out in space or even getting to the second level, breaking down and making that block on a linebacker or even, you know, a defensive back. So you definitely want to have an athlete there. So, yeah, I, I could see him being useful for a team in a spread offense, mm-hmm. a team that runs his own scheme as well. You know, that backside cut when you have to make that, he, he could definitely do that.
2: And... I'm going to go ahead and say the following. I I know that people want to have the tag of first rounder, and from a financial standpoint, yes, I understand completely. But more than anything, he needs to go to a team that fits his skill set, and they're going to utilize what he can do well, because I'd much rather go in the third or fourth round and go to a team that's going to utilize me correctly than go in the first round and fall by the wayside after a few years, because they didn't. Utilize what I do well.
0: And Devin Jones on Facebook, a good friend of mine, asked a question. Uh, well, says, can we talk about the edge rushers? Well, here's the thing. Before we move on to the North team, the the South. Jordan Willis, Kansas State, Keonta Davis, Chattanooga, Tano Passanio, Villanova. There are some dudes out there, and you also look at, um, and we'll get to him on the North squad. But uh, those guys initially leap off at the screen as you, and even Ryan Anderson outside linebacker from Alabama. So there's a bunch of guys that can really get after the quarterback. Deshaun Hall.
2: Deshaun Hall. I mean, this is a really good group of outside edge rushers. Willis is a guy who, and I mentioned it when we did a podcast for the, the pre-senior bowl, I saw a few kids to get... Honestly, he didn't seem like he was able to be blocked. Mm-hmm. He leapt off the screen every time, and I made sure to make mention of him. And because of that, one of those guys that just seems to not be able to be blocked whatsoever at any point in time.
1: He had, he had a really good rep today against Connor McDerbin, the UCLA. Really got um, a, a, a tackle. Really nice swim move, got inside, and, and he got up on the coach who was acting as the quarterback very quickly. And, and <laughs> You know, um, he definitely brings it. I want to watch more of him for sure.
0: i tell you what. I watched a bowl game uh, against Texas A&M, and people may say this is a hot take, but – if you're supposed to be the first-round number we one overall pick, impact player. impact player, you better leap second off. the
2: second-best exactly. defensive end in that particular game? I'm just leave it there. And I had, and again, I hadn't seen
0: – I don't get the chance to watch as much college football live with the whole color commentary thing because I'm always, you know, doing a game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But this was my first viewing of Kansas State. Shout-out to Kelly in Vegas, my homegirl, Kelly Stewart, who I do the show with, CBS Sports, K-State grad. You know, so okay. – First time I watched Kansas State out there, um, I was like, who's 75? And why is he always in the backfield? <laughs> and why is fifteen for AM constantly being blocked by a tight end? Not going to talk about it any further. That's what I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to find out who's the real reason uh, you coming to see these games. That, and if you're if you're the guy, we're old enough to remember Julius Peppers in college. Mm-hmm. Remember how
1: so much of an stopped. impact exactly? Double team him if you want to. He still was being
0: drop him back in coverage. He pick off passes and return them for the, for touchdowns.
2: We remember Von Miller in college. Uh. Could not be blocked. Uh, so okay, everyone talking about, and I understand Tim Tim Williams is quick off the ball. Von Miller was Tim Williams plus. Like I don't think people remember vividly that number forty with the with the silly mm-hmm. neck brace sometimes coming around the edge with been that offensive lineman couldn't even touch him sometimes.
0: And see that's the that's the ish that's the whole thing. So when you see Jordan Willis, when you see passing when you see Davis you see that it factor and mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't have to be created. It doesn't come against, you know, four four sacks don't come against rice. You know what I'm saying? These guys step up. The guy we're going to talk about in North squad as we transition, uh, Derrick rivers, he showed out against Pitt. He's coming from Youngstown state. Mm-hmm. He's another edge rush. So let's look at this North squad and talk about some things where guys that we're looking forward to seeing, because again, their practice was a little bit slower. Their practice was a little bit laid back, more special teams work. Um, but, again, Derek Rivers showed up and showed out against Pitt, and they're going to utilize him more as an outside linebacker. He's listed as right. 6'3", or 6'5", 255. He's a big, tall guy. You know, everybody's taller than me, but he's a big, tall guy. You know what I'm, I'm saying?
2: I'm not so, short at 6'2", and, yeah, he's a tall guy.
1: He's a tall guy. He's a big dude. Yeah, talking to him uh, tonight, he said that he definitely projects as a 3-4 outside backer. But he did say that he would love to get in that 4-3 scheme and, and you know be that wide pass rusher. So we'll see what happens. I, I like players like that that are scheme diverse. Like I don't like pigeonholing a guy into one particular scheme. And I think that he could be that edge rusher for a 4-3 team. You look at the double that he had with Avery Moss. I mean, those guys together, they, they – Put in that work, and they were in the championship game and uh, the
0: FCS championship game. They lost against North Dakota State. I mean, not North Dakota State. I'm James sorry, James Madison. James Madison, Madison who, beat North, who beat North Dakota State. Let me get that correct. James Madison was the deal this year in the FCS. So and didn't they put eighty up on Sam Houston? Um, oh, they they nearly they put eighty up on somebody because Sam Houston know. was blowing out. Ever, Sam Houston was putting up 80 on, on people. Yeah, forty and they got, two and a half. at the half. Right, exactly. They got to they got out there in Fredericksburg. I believe that's where James Madison is located, and they were freezing, and James Madison beat the brakes off them. You know? But hey, we digress. Another pass rusher I think is very good on that East Team. I'm a big fan of the North. North I'm sorry. i we just did the East. We just West. Did, we're we're on, just, right. I'm so still, still on, to say to P time. Um Chris Warmley.
2: I like Chris Warmley out of Michigan. What are your thoughts on him? So Chris Wormley is one of those guys where he's not twitchy. He's not this or that. What does Chris Wormley do? Does he disrupt? That's all you got to do. Exactly. I don't care. See, I've heard these things where you have to have a certain level of athleticism to play outside at 4-3 defensive end. I just want you to rush the passer in whatever capacity that you can do it. And this guy transfers to power very easily, very quickly and he would be a problem whether you put him on the inside or the outside.
0: And when you look at uh, the North squad, the quarterbacks will start with them as well. Uh, I think Sefo Lufau has a chance to be this year's Carson Wentz. You know, big guy, productive guy, Um,
2: bit of an injury history at Colorado. That's the only thing that worries me is his production was great. Like I actually liked the way he commanded everything when it was going on. When he was on the field. Mm. But I watched three games this year where he had to leave the field from injury. (laughs) Mm. And it was very unfortunate because I thought Colorado could have had even a better year if he was able to stay on the field in some of those games. They would have beat Michigan, I I believe. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: They were beating. He threw a touchdown and then he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, The touchdown
2: pass he threw across the field, a dime, he gets hurt and he's out. Mm. And again, people, I had to go and watch that game because I didn't see it live. I just said, oh, you know, flash in the pan. Colorado's beating Michigan. Oh, Michigan's going to come back. I watched it. They were giving Michigan that business, mm-hmm. and then he got when hurt. That worked, what are your thoughts on that quarterback position? You have
0: several loofiles, Nate Peterman, and also um, the young
1: man, C.J. Beathard. Peterman, I think, is a guy that, that it, it should be interesting. That, right. You look at what he was able to do against Clemson. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys. He was a transfer, right? From Tennessee. Yeah. Couldn't
0: beat out Dobbs. I'm not saying he couldn't beat out Dobbs. He just did. He just did. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So,
1: you know, he settled in at, at Pitt and, you know, he did his thing. I believe it was the Penn State game. He had a good game mm-hmm. as well. So he's someone that's got to be intriguing. So I definitely want to see
2: more from him. And I want to see more from Beathard. Uh Coming into this season, I wasn't high on him as much as I was good on him. I thought that he didn't change his demeanor. He seemed to have control of his emotions himself and command the team well Mm -hmm. in his junior year. In his senior year, I don't know if he was injured or what it was, but it just seemed incomplete. And It seemed like he had a lot of trouble generating the same success in the later moments and later stages of a game. So in this setting, I'd like to see that from him. He was also pretty inconsistent with his passes. Uh, this season compared to last.
0: What was interesting is that he's joined here by one of his teammates, a couple of teammates, actually, uh, Jalil Johnson, an outstanding defensive tackle. Uh, we got a question from Andrew Kim at Kuki Kim 1357 on Twitter. Asked a question, could Desmond King play safety for whomever drafts him? Yeah, that's an interesting topic of discussion because King is a guy, return kicks, mm. track, ran track, you know, play Actually, he was an All-American last year as a junior. Yeah. And this year, you know, people will say he had a down
2: year, but, you know, there's a lot of things that could go into that. But I'll start with you, Chris. What are your thoughts on King? So I'm going to answer your question the way that it was actually phrased with a yes. Could. I'm going to also piggyback on and say should. Absolutely not. This guy (laughs) is one of the better cover corners in the draft. No, he's not going to run a 4-2. But what he's going to do is he's going to make sure that the receiver that's in front of him is well covered for multiple seconds. Uh, I've made the comparison that he reminds me of Darrell Revis when he was at Pitt, a guy who wasn't a blazer or a burner, but for some reason he was in the hip the, the hip pocket of any receiver he was across from and you got to have some level of talent if they're also asking you to, in quickness, if they're asking you to return punts. So uh, I, I think he's a top level cornerback and actually in the interview that we did, that's the guy he said he mirrored mm-hmm. and wanted to really take away from was Darrell Revis. So uh, I, I think he's a top-notch corner.
1: And Another thing you have to factor in is his ball skills. And One of the first things you look at when you're looking at a corner is can he play the football? Can right. he find the football? And very clearly, he could do that. Led the Nation in interceptions two years ago. and What do you Eight. I, I don't know how many he had this past year. I think he had three. So you're looking at 11 interceptions in two years. It's very clear that he could find the football, not to mention all the pass breakups. And then even... Catching punts, that's not an easy thing to do. You have to be able to track the ball, and he's able to do it. I would keep him at corner. I agree with you on that because you want guys that that are able to find the football on the outside. You want guys because he will come up and be physical against the run also. So I think he's an outstanding corner.
2: I'm going to give you an adverse comparison because I'm big in making people understand. A guy who has the requisite speed, the top-notch speed, but struggles to find the ball is Trey Waynes. They're the polar opposite of each other. Trey Wayne mm. struggles in coverage and also to find the ball, but he has every measurable you want. Desmond Keane might not be the tallest guy, biggest guy, or fastest guy, but he never struggles in coverage, and clearly he can pick the ball off.
1: I think in that draft alone, you, you saw the contrast of a guy, because I remember that at that combine, Trey Wayne's ran that four three whatever right. Jalen Collins his short shuttle was slower than his forty. Right. Mm-hmm. People didn't look at that; they right. just looked at that four three. And when you look at you know the ability to run straight, straight. is also it's important, but you got to be able to go this way because that's what the receiver game is. is. Running right. Way. No one and, has
2: ever gotten paid to run forty yards in a straight line on a Sunday, ever.
1: And the guy who just kind of kept going along, he ran a 4-5, four, 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 Marcus Peters. Meanwhile, I said he was the best corner in that all draft. All three of us Everybody said that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. All three of us. Everybody jumped on the, the you know, the Trey Wayne train. And, and look, after two years, Peters is one of the best corners. It's not all about 40 times. It's not all about the, the measurables. You draft guys that play football, and Desmond mm-hmm. King is a football
2: player. Yeah. And look, we're, we're going to miss sometimes, but we're going to miss for the right reason. Maybe it didn't work out for a young man, but we're going to miss for the right reason. And you make an excellent point about the the 40 time versus the shuttle time. That's that's a good call out because you see it now whenever he's in coverage. Oh he'll he will not get beat deep if it's a straight foot race, but if someone makes a move on him, he struggles to recover. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm looking at this North roster, and this question is this this is gonna answer the question coming from in the huddle, um, at IT Huddle, H-U-D-D-L-L-E. Any smaller school players that could improve their NFL draft stock this week in practice. And when you look at that North squad, and we just did the media night, and, and there's a couple of guys we interviewed, but I love the small college talent. Cutstown, Andre Reed played at Cutstown. Um, last year, remember we were at the pro day, and we, we saw a receiver. <laughs> receiver yeah. You know, uh, King mm-hmm. ended up having an opportunity with the Bucks, but got injured. They're running back. Terry uh, Jackson where
1: did he go
0: New he York Jets. Jets he was with the Jets and Jordan Morgan football game plan preseason All-American the guy he gets his props because
2: he actually recognized football game plan you talked to the tonight he? yes uh, during the interview you know these young men they're, they're, they're being asked to go different places and he comes over and he's like oh yeah let's let's talk I explained the interview to him as soon as I raised the mic and he saw football game plan I knew you all he was extremely excited and and uh it, it was a it was a great interview. Uh, very personable young man, and the talent that he has is, is top notch.
0: And he was a outstanding outstanding left tackle. And he plays in a very tough conference, which is, I believe,
1: the PSAC. SEC yeah. of the Division Two ranks. Oh, the I PSAC. know personally. Oh, you you, you <laughs> yeah. play that Texas. Yeah. I right. know personally. You know yeah, it personally. Yeah, that's a that's a tough conference. And down. You, you got to mention John Mobley. John Mobley drafted 14th overall Five. in the '95 draft by the Denver Broncos. Five. By the Broncos.
0: Yep. So again. He played tackle. He also played he played guard. He could probably play inside as a center as well too. So tremendous athlete. You also look at Simon Fraser linebacker Jordan Herdman. Of course, we heard of Herdman. Football game plan preseason All American once again. Um, the unique part about Simon Fraser is it's a uh, Division two program. It's a Canadian
1: mm-hmm.
0: college. Mm-hmm. But they play American football. They play in NCAA. A couple of Canadian colleges do that as well. Oh, really? But Frazier had a receiver that's uh, – I forgot his name, but he was awesome. He's He didn't get drafted, had a tryout, I, I want to say, in the States. forgot which team, but now he's doing damage in the CFL. He's, a, he's about 6'3", 230. He's a big, thick wide receiver that can move. You know, he reminded me a lot of DeAndre Smelter. Okay. You know, gotcha. so um, from Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, so he's a real good player, but Simon Fraser is one to watch. He, they have him on a roster six feet, 240, but I think he measured in that 5'10, about 240, yeah. which is fine. I mean, he could run, he can cover, and you have to be able to run and cover in that if you're playing up north. But they again they play American football in Division II. You also look at, we talked about Derek Rivers from Youngstown State. Cooper Cup, wide receiver, Eastern Washington, broke all of Jerry Rice's records at Mississippi Valley State. That doesn't happen. And Cooper Cup has been a freshman All-American, sophomore, junior, senior. That's awesome. You know, so I'm excited to see him get out here and could, because, you know, people are going to try to pigeonhole him just because he's a white wide receiver. They're going to mm-hmm. say slot. Even mm-hmm. though he's 6'2", 205, even though he played across the, the board, even though he played like a 6'5", receiver that you put on the outside, he is a legit
1: stud at the receiver position. And the thing I like is he has that chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, and these guys, you know, they come in from these smaller programs and they come to these type of situations. Forget individual things that they do. They want to prove that they belong. No matter what way they have to do it, that's what they want to do. And that's something that just a brief conversation I have. He said, I just want to prove it Because I asked him, you know, what do you want to show these scouts? first thing he said. only thing he said, he wants to prove that he belongs. So I like that, Chip. As a receiver, you obviously can't play the game mad, you know, mm-hmm. unless your name is Steve Smith Sr. <laughs> <laughs> <Only> <laughs> he's about oh, the only right. one. So he he has to figure out a
2: way to balance it, but I think he's going to have a good show on this week. And in my interview with him, he actually made a good point. He said being in the FCS ranks helped him be a better receiver from the perspective that you see a lot of different schemes that you don't see when you play those FBS teams where they'll uh, you know, play like a cloud coverage over the top, but they'll have one guy man up on him. So he's basically sometimes double and triple team. Mm-hmm. So getting open was something that was necessary. And you could see the difference in the games. He'd have a good game against some of those opponents, but when he played the Washington States of the world, he'd go for uh, 12 receptions for 240 and 3 touchdowns. So just just ridiculous what he was able to do on a consistent basis.
0: Another guy that you guys are going to get real familiar with pretty quickly is Lorenzo Jerome out of St. Francis. Now, I was at the uh, Villanova game, the playoff game, mm-hmm. and it was weird because he was a spotlight player, but he didn't play the first couple of series. And I didn't want to ask him about it. I don't know what that was or why he didn't play the first couple of series. But when they put him in the game, he made an immediate impact. He, uh, made a big stuff <laughs> on the quick screen This is a guy that can play outside as a corner Inside the slot Safety deep back deep third You know strong safety type um, They've moved him all around the field. He was another football game playing preseason all in America. Y'all going to hit it a lot, man. We know how to pick him. But he also is an outstanding returnman. So he had uh, four kickoff returns for touchdowns last season. This year I think he had two. So not only does he catch the football, but he knows what to do with it when he, get it, when he gets it. And last week at the NFL PA game, he also had two interceptions. And
2: that's the type of guy who I, I like to say can turn one into six. One pick, get it. Turn around, run downfield. Uh, really, a guy who has those that ability to do that. I think more than anything that people don't realize is NFL teams want and need that. They know how hard it is to score on offense. So if a guy picks off a pass or recovers a fumble, it's great to get that possession. But if he can bring it to the to the other end like an Eric Berry, oh, they covet that. Trust me.
1: I wanted to ask you about Brendan Langley out of Lamar. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to watch him? I just saw him just in, in, in warm-ups and pre-practice. and I mean, he's a long corner, long arms. So I'm not sure if you got to watch him, but if you did, what's your take on him? I, I like him, man.
0: I, he's a former Baylor, to Bear, uh, transferred down. Um, and, again, my coach, Coach Carey Bailey, great friend of mine, but also a mentor, he coached at Lamar, coached defensive line at Lamar. Um, And now he's the D-line coach at Richmond, just took the job at Richmond. He was at Chattanooga last year, so he coached County Davis Mm. this past season. Um, But he told me about Langley. He said he's a guy that, you know, he's one that will find his way around the football. He plays a lot like Bobby Taylor. Maybe like a – I don't want to say Bobby Taylor. I want to say maybe a cross between Bobby Taylor and uh, what's – Namde Asunwad, you know, that long arms can play yeah, off. Yeah. Can, I can like, see that. Yeah, he's kind he of like wiry, on, you know, please. like or, uh, let's say more recent Eric Rowe, you know, somebody that can play, you know, off, use his length, and um, find himself around a football, so he's going to be impressive this week, and the Southland Conference, you know, you're talking about McNeese State, you're talking mm-hmm. about Stephen F. Austin, you talk talking about Sam Houston State, you're talking about all these teams that spread the field, so he got a lot of experience, and Lamar played up they played Baylor a lot. They played, uh, what's the, I forgot the other FBS program they played. But they do a great job in playing up, and they also are, were, were very good defensively. Um, and so he's going to show off this
2: week, and we're going to see him put on a show tomorrow in one-on-ones. And this was one of the young men that I didn't have as much, I didn't have a chance to see him as much, so I'm going to be focusing on him as I look at the defensive backs to get myself more familiar with what he has to offer.
0: And uh, let's go through one more question before we wrap it up and put a bow around this podcast. Who are some of the players you believe will increase their stock the most at each position group all right I, I like that question that's both, a good way winner on both teams so let's start with the north um quarterback I think Sefa if he can go out there and prove what he can do and just answer some questions that uh, you can't show you can be healthy uh in a week of practice but I say Sefa Lufa will make the most about you
1: yeah uh, I would probably agree with you on Sefa and just seeing him um in the lobby that the size is there and that's right. the first thing I mean you know that the guys draw to that. So right. when they see him in person and see how big he actually is, that's going to give them another reason to look at him on the field. And I think that he can show, show what he could do.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with C.J. Beathard from the perspective that we got to see some good things from him his junior year, a little bit of a decline in senior year. So right now he might not have the eye of some scouts, but he can really raise his stock and put himself back into those drafted ranges. By showing out against these uh... talented defensive backs.
0: Running back, I'm not gonna go with the obvious choice, Kareem Hunt, my long lost cousin. But I will go with Sam Rogers, the fullback. I told you I wanted to talk about him. Fullback with ball skills, like can, can run routes better than some tailbacks, catch the football. You saw him go toe to toe with Ohio State, make people miss in, in space, broke a couple guys off, made a long run for a touchdown. I think he could be. He's this year my version of Zach Line, a guy that's gonna get pitch and hold at fullback but can really run the rock and will be vastly misused as just a fullback. Put the guy in the backfield, hand him the football, and let him do what he do. I, I like Sam Rogers. I think he has a chance to really increase his stock and what he brings to the table this week.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Davion Smith, and he's a guy that already proved that he could make an impression that will help at the next level. East-West Shrine – he played himself into an invite here, so he, he got here. And I think that the, what will really show is his ability to catch the football. That's something we saw immediately, and it's going to be good to see him going against these linebackers and uh, catching the ball against them. He's very comfortable doing that. So 5'11", 228, he's a guy that will surprise a lot of these people, seeing that size, seeing those measurables, and seeing how comfortable he is running routes. I like
2: how he caught the ball last week, too. Yeah. I'm going to go with a guy that is the most familiar name on here, but unfortunately this position has been devalued from a drafting standpoint in some respects that's Corey Clement being able to move up into that next group we all know the Leonard Fournette's and the Dalvin Cooks but and the uh, McCaffrey's but who are the next three or four running backs he can actually show that it wasn't just the Wisconsin line that worked for him it was him that was able to break through and uh get get the production going
0: at receiver I'm gonna go with a guy that I I really like and I'm just a big fan of his game man and that's Trent Taylor of Louisiana Tech. You talk about Switzer being quick. Taylor is dynamic with the ball in his hands. You saw him uh, work the defense over in that bowl game. I forget the team they played, but they were in the heart of Dallas Bowl, I believe. Uh, I believe no, that was yeah. that was Armin in uh, North Texas, but they played somebody uh, and they beat the brakes off them because of their ability to throw the football. And he was making plays. It was you know there's two receivers at Louisiana Tech. Taylor, I think, is my favorite one. I like Taylor. Real hmm. receiver you think is and we're just gonna combine this for both teams, uh, because we're pressed up against time. And we wanna go get some adult beverages and some food because I'm starving. <laughs> need <that. laughs> we need that. So, uh which receiver you think will stand out, Chris?
2: Well, the guy who can uh, increase their stock or stand out. Well increase their stock. Uh, I think he's doing it already and I'm I'm thrilled to see him tomorrow as Chad Williams out of mm-hmm. grandma Uh this That's is true. the guy who apparently caught everything and if you do that consistently three straight days, working with these two NFL rosters, you, you can make yourself a, a day two or even day one pick, uh, depending on what people are looking for.
1: I want to go with Taewon. Are we going to stay on the north? Or Don't want we just no, no. Like Overall, yeah, yeah. I want to go with Taewon Taylor. That's that's the guy mm-hmm. I would say is going to increase his stop just because of his ability to catch the football. He c- catches so many of them, so he, his hands are consistent. Uh, over 100 catches, uh, you know, last year. So, you you look at what he brings to the table. He can win on the inside and the outside. I think he's going to excel in one on ones, and he runs very smooth routes, gets in and out of his breaks. That's the guy I think is going to make the most money. I think at tight
0: end, it's going to be uh, Everett, South Alabama. Uh, OG Howard is the obvious choice, but Everett has that explosiveness, and I just like how. He I am maybe a little bit biased here, but he does represent the Sunbelt Conference very well. And he talked about that in our interview of how uh, going up against competition week in, week
2: out that's underrated helped mold his game. So I'm going to say him, uh, Everett, from South Alabama. I'm actually going to go with a guy that was at the East-West Shrine game and has shown up here, and that's Michael Roberts. Yeah. This guy runs clean routes for a big guy. I was actually very impressed with what he had to offer, and I think he can put himself into that second day of the draft with what he does here.
1: I'm going to piggyback off of that. And when you look at him, 270 pounds, you look at him just in person, you're not going to think that he's a guy that posted 16 touchdowns in last season. Mm-hmm. He's very comfortable running routes. He can move in space. I definitely would agree. And then on top of that, like we saw at East-West Shrine, mm-hmm. he could give you that H-back ability as well. Yes.
0: They had him in the fullback position a lot last weekend. All offensive lineman, I'm going to go with the FCS player, not your relative Julian Davenport. Um, I think he's, I think he's well known man. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be right for me to pick him. I would say Jessamine Dunker of Tennessee State. They've done a good job, quite honestly, developing talent at Tennessee State, especially along the offensive line. They run the football, they run the same offense like uh, or at the time they ran the same offense like San Diego State. This year they had to throw a little bit more because of the injury at quarterback, but they were known for their running game, big beef up front, one back, no full back Tight end, we remember AC Leonard a while back. Yes, we um, do, yeah. Very athletic guy, yeah. but they're really good up front. And Dunker is going to be next. I like AC Leonard was a former Gator that transferred. He was. He was a former. Gator. They do a great job. Ezra Robinson, I believe, was a former Gator, I believe, and transfer. So they On do the corner. corner. They yeah. do a great job with transfers yeah. and getting those guys in there and developing them amongst their own recruited talent. So I think Dunker is going to surprise us.
2: We so can make himself a lot of money. Offensive line. I'm going to go with actually a guy who was mentioned earlier in one of the questions, Antonio Garcia, getting the opportunity to work against uh, guys from every level, mm-hmm. and the quickness here, folks, at the, the defensive end and even defensive tackle position. It's, it's it's high quality, so he has the opportunity to improve his stock and show uh, his worth.
1: I'm going to go with little Cuz, man, Julian Davenport <laughs> <laughs> out of Bucknell. I think just in talking to him, he said that. Every team here has, has reached out to him, and he's had a conversation with almost every team. That tells me that there's interest. This is going to be their first times getting their hands on him, seeing him in person. And when you have that type of situation and you have an athlete like he is, I think that's a really good opportunity to increase your stock. So he would be my guy. Left tackle, Julian. from Bucknell Patriot League football out there. I give
0: some props as well. I covered the Patriot League with Georgetown. Covered that game. He was outstanding in that contest as well. Did a great job versus a very good defensive front in Georgetown that has a freshman All-American there and and Christian Tate who we'll be talking about four years later down the line. For defensive line, I'm going to go with the underrated guy. First time in Senior Bowl history. Their program hasn't been around long anyway. It's a very new program. But um first time in this ball game that's Larry Ogunjobi from Charlotte he was disruptive throughout the course of his collegiate career they moved up in competition played yes. in Conference USA he was a disruptive guy and I like Conference USA defensive linemen because they're going to see a, a wide variety of schemes and so Ogunjobi I thought did a great job in college and I'm looking forward to seeing him get out there and compete I think he has
1: a one chance to elevate. I'm gonna go with I, the obvious for me, and that's passing. Yo, mm-hmm. I, I think he's gonna make a lot of money uh, down here at, at Senior Bowl just because he's gonna show how disruptive he could be coming off the edge, working that with three, three, five mm-hmm. at, at Nova. You know, he had to bump inside a lot. There were opportunities to, to rush the passer from outside. We saw that, mm-hmm. and I think when he's in a situation where he can consistently do that, he and Deshaun Hall were rotating against those left tackles, and they were giving those guys. <laughs> so I think it's going to continue throughout the rest the rest of the week. Seeing him in person, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, mm-hmm. you know, the 270 or whatever pounds he is. Massive kid. I
2: think he's going to really gotta show up. And I'm going to go with a guy who played in my hometown, Tanto Smart, out of Tulane. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. the quote-unquote shorter defensive tackles the fire uh, end oh up. Oh, my <laughs> <God>. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. They get <laughs> – <laughs> treated in a certain manner that's not the best and to me you realize how hard it is to block someone that powerful who's also <laughs> short it's difficult, and I think that he's one of those guys that can put in work against some of the best that are here right now.
1: He and uh, Pochett had a nice little interaction. <laughs> he got he got up, up in him, too. Oh, yeah. And, and then uh, after the play, you know, a little back and forth, and, and he just kind of grabbed him and threw him down. He's someone uh, talking to his agent. Uh, we were talking about just, you know, how low he plays, and, and I think that's going to yeah. be something that's a, a huge value for a team at the next level. I mean, you have to be able to hold your own and, Like I said, he's like a fire hydrant. You're not pushing (laughs) one of those things out of the way. I like uh, at
0: linebacker, I think this guy is going to be outstanding. And you talk about that defense and how well they've played now that their defensive coordinator is at LSU. Um, I like Vince Beagle out of Wisconsin. 6'4", 245, outside linebacker. Their front seven, we saw their front seven last year, totally dismantle USC like by themselves secondary didn't have to do anywhere to take the rest of the day off uh in at holiday bowl uh, but i do think this is a guy that has the ability to not only get after the quarterback but play the run i think in 907 drills he'll shine and i think this is where he's gonna uh increase his stock here today so chris linebacker who stands out to you the most or who's gonna be that guy guy's gonna raise
2: his level Uh, Have an opportunity to proof out what he was able to do, uh, tackling everything at Lindenwood. Uh, Connor Harris has the opportunity to actually improve his stock and get more recognition. Again, literally tackled everything while he was there. So can he do that against this level of competition with the diverse nature of the players that are offered here?
1: I'm going to go with Derek Rivers, and I think just allowing him to stand up and rush the passer, there's such a premium on pass rushers. So he's a guy that, yeah, he's a 3-4 guy, but you could also, as we mentioned, he could work in the 4-3, but they're specifically going to be looking at him as that edge rusher in the 3-4 here at least, and if he could show – that get off, and show that ability to get around that edge and be disruptive, he's going to make himself some money. He's going to definitely raise his stock because of that. There's such a premium uh, placed on being able to rush the passer. In the secondary, uh, I think OB
0: Connecticut. Yeah, I'm about to say this. I'm going to get this name correct. You know what I'm saying? Because if I don't say it right tonight, I won't say it right all week. But it's mm-hmm. Obi Mellon-Famu. a
2: Mellon physical Fon-Mu. specimen. 6'4
0: safety. Yeah. yeah. Can get, he's, a, he's the second tallest safety I've seen live. Because he's 6'4. And then I did the ECAC Division three bowl games. And there's a defensive, there's a safety. For Maritime College out there in, in Kings Point, New York. 6'5, mm. Brian Price, 6'5, 215. So when you're able to be the last line of defense at <laughs> that size, and you this shows you can't throw over him. Right, you can't <laughs> throw over him. And he and here's the thing: UConn was not a bad football team. We talked about Cam Penny last year, the defensive tackle. We talked about their, we're gonna talk about their linebacker next year and Junior Joseph. We're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the receiver. This year, Noel Thomas, who's a lot like the old Steve Smith uh that came out of USC. Oh
1: yeah, he's good.
0: Slot guy. Yeah. guy. He's a good receiver as well. UConn is they got two tight ends we're gonna talk about next year. You know, and here we are talking and there's a corner as well we're gonna talk about next year as well. But here's old uh Fonwu, the safety. Coaching was the issue, game planning, but which is why Ansel's there now. Exactly. And so he's gonna be good right away next year. And Melon Fonwu is one that he picked off P.J. Walker in the end zone. On a, it was a dumb play by Walker, but it was a great play by Melon Fonwu because for it looked. I mean, you don't blame Walker for making the throw. You want him to eat the ball, take the sack, or kick the field goal, but he was like, "Oh, this guy is like he's a, maybe two yards away. I could fit that ball in there." Mm-hmm.
1: So, closed, closed
0: in, closed in, picked it off in the end zone. So he made two interceptions like that in that game. And Mellon Fowler is one heck of a football player. They're going to see 6-4 and think strong safety, but he
1: closes like a free safety. I'm going to go with Demonte KZ mm-hmm. out of San Diego State. and The assignment, San Jose State, to watch Tyler Urban and watching right. him, I saw... KZ deliver a hit on Tyler Urban, <laughs> he obliterated. Woke him up, and I asked him about that earlier. He said, they're homies, so he wanted to remind right. them." Look, <laughs> you know. But I just like with him again. You mentioned ball skills, the ability to break on the football. It's something we talked about when we watched him. Very nice play against uh, Ryan Switzer, whereas uh, you know he was able to break down and come in and get that pass break up. I think he's a guy that you know, like I said, has the ball skills, has that that want to, that need to Mm -hmm. come up and make plays against the run and uh, he's a solid 5'11", 190 pounds, you know, that's just fine he could play on the outside, he could move inside and and cover slot receivers, he relishes contact I think looking at him he's a guy that's going to increase, I had a a late third, fourth round grade, I think he could sneak up into the the upper part of the third round with a good showing here obviously Mm -hmm. at the combine, this DB class is so stacked, but I think that he could make a move with that because you want guys like you mentioned. He he has a return game. You want guys right. that can
2: score when they get the football. He could do that. And the guy I'm going to go with, and again, this is improving their stock. Uh, I'm going to go with John Johnson out of Boston College, mm-hmm. playing corner mm-hmm. early in his career, and actually having to take over for a guy who's now with the Broncos and Justin Simmons. Right, uh, gives that versatility, and on the next level, I can actually see him staying local. And being with the Patriots because they would utilize him against some of those bigger receivers that they're going to see in the AFC and the tight ends because he can do both. Uh, I think he has the opportunity to improve his stock and end up being a drafted player. Well, and, and here's the
0: thing, man. All these guys are out here competing. You know, day one they were interviewing with these these NFL scouts, and you know it could be tense. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't know if each mistake will cost you a round or a yeah. slot. Um, but if they just go out there and play football, and that's something that I got from these guys when I talked to them. Like, hey, at the end of the day, Josh Dobbs gave a great interview. At the end of the day, it's just football. We've been doing it since we was five. Let's just go out there and just play ball and not worry about everything else. Everything will take care of itself. And I'm excited to see these guys. You know, day one is always hectic mm-hmm. because you got to choose which practice you're going to attend, you know, which one you're going to miss. We virtually miss a lot of the North practice, you know, we were able to get to the south entirely, uh, but we had to go to Media Night, which we cleaned up by the way. I think sure. we interviewed Dan. One, one or at two thir- interviews. Worth <laughs> 35. <laughs> 35. All right. We got a lot. Last week we got 40. Yeah. So now you had another, you know, if you need something, if we talk to everybody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I mean we'll have some more this week and stuff like that. But appreciate you guys hitting us up on Facebook Live. We also appreciate you guys hitting us up on Twitter with your questions. We'll be back tomorrow a little bit earlier. To record this podcast. This was late because it was media night. So follow Toronto on Twitter at T Davenport underscore NFL. You can follow me on Facebook, on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Chris James is at CJ49 on I'm the Twitter, Twitter Nets. Hunt, on the Twitter Nets. I'm Sam Emory happy Hunter's daughter playbook. Say happy birthday to Nicolette. No, I already hated on Nicolette. See, Nicolette is my number one hater. We all have one. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was her birthday yesterday. Oh, Miss Collie. Yeah, and I was I was so nice to her yesterday. Cause normally I'll jump mm, in her comments no. right away and be yeah. a hater. <laughs> she you know? says she's always on the job. She's yeah. always like, she's always on the job. You know what I'm saying? Like, as soon as I post something, because I told her one time, I was like, hey. When there's too much happiness going on, somebody gotta jump in there
2: and
1: hate. Hey, she's know?
2: consistent. She's been a hater of this guy right here since the late '90s. So, <laughs> so it's it's
1: consistent, you know. What I saying? tell you, what, I'm about to put you on the job, and your job is to make sure I get two or four drinks tonight.
0: Oh, so we hold up, we hold up a drunk, adult beverage <laughs> town.
1: We're, we're at the
0: Renaissance Hotel and in, um, in, in Mobile, Alabama, with an outstanding bar. And I don't he- even hear the. Uh, I think it was karaoke going on downstairs. Yeah. I don't even hear that. Right that's it. gone. So now we can go drinking, peace, and matter of fact, matter if, yo, yeah, fact. we got to water up. You know, so I always do this the night before. We will catch you guys tomorrow, same time, same channel. But we appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate the support. Be on the lookout for our practice video highlights, our practice updates in our interviews we'll start rolling out those interviews slowly throughout the week once we get those things edited
1: edited and posted and uh we'll be with you guys on tomorrow